All right, so before we get into today's interview, we do have a quick announcement that we will be hosting our first one of the Angels Breakfast Tacos meetup at Veracruz in Austin, Tuesday, September 26th, and local time, 9 to 11. Does that sound about right, Colin? Yeah, Line Hotel there downtown. And it's nice to have uh, people from LA coming to Austin here. Yeah, I know. We even have a small budget. And big thanks to Sidecar for sponsoring this meetup. You and I are both big fans of the product. And why did we decide breakfast tacos because you know it's uniquely austin you can't get them anywhere else a little different will there be alcohol (laughs) involved (laughs) (laughs) we shall see we shall see there there is a nice bar at right right across from veracruz i think that was the other reason i like it it's like all right you know there's all these events now everyone's like oh no alcohol i'm like no i want to drink personally but no pressure you can drink or you can have tacos or you can just come and hang it'll be fun we'll be covering drinks and tacos for the first uh, 25 or 50 people that show up should be able to cover everyone but just in case like a million people come we won't be able to pay for everyone but should be able to get everyone all right see everyone there hope to see everyone there tuesday september 26 9 a.m to 11 at Veracruz. Get some breakfast tacos in Austin. All right. If your goal is to raise a fund one day, which mine definitely is, Mm. they are such a good way to showcase what you can do. The one thing I get really weary of is like everybody thinking like they're going to run a syndicate business because to your point, it is very hard fundamentally to get a serious return in angel investing, you need to be a contrarian thinker and you need to be right. All right, Colin, how are you doing today? I'm good. I've overcome all my internet woes and I've made it here finally. So. All right. Please don't jinx yourself before we even get started. But Maggie, we're excited to have you on. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm definitely calling. You want to give her bio read? Of course I do. It's like my official job is the bio reader these days. So let let me just bring up the teleprompter here. So (laughs) Maggie Sellers is an angel investor and syndicate lead, media entrepreneur and creator that sits at the intersection of entertainment, brand and early stage consumer startups. After pioneering angel investing and private marketing investing talk as a creator in Los Angeles, she founded Hot Smart Rich Media, I love the name, a digital media company that empowers startup founders, investors, creators, operators, and 87,000 other aspiring knowledge workers with real business insights by cutting out the boys club bullshit and getting real about what it takes for women to dominate in a men's world. I love this. I'm excited to talk more on this. Maggie is the co-founder of HSR Ventures, an early stage consumer syndicate that invests 150 to 500K into some of the fastest growing consumer products, services, and technology. So I'm excited to hear about some of those companies and, you know, talk a little bit about your thesis, but also everything you're doing, which seems like it's opening up the world of angel investing. So great to have you, Maggie. Thank you so much. Colin, yeah. how did we convince Maggie to come on the podcast? Well, I think I begged over a long period of time over email, but you know, Ma- Maggie and I met originally through Sidecar. They had an ambassador program, I think, for you know folks that were running syndicates, kind of you know, of an up and coming emerging manager kind of like subset. And so that's how Maggie and I met. And I think from there, I was super impressed because I immediately went to her TikTok after she told me she does some TikTok. And I think other people told me she did TikTok. And I was like, oh, this she does TikTok. I, I dabble. And so anyway, I just, I've been a long time follower now. And I was like, man, we got to get her on the podcast. So that's how we find ourselves here. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I meet certain people and I'm just like, I feel like we could have such a good conversation. But what we were saying before is it's so busy. I think 
you know, all of us are trying to do the rat race of investing, which is such a fast paced industry that just finding the time to sit down and like discuss and share deals is so great over this medium. So it can be amplified to more aspiring creators and angels and, you know, syndicate leads. So LPs, hopefully fingers crossed for all of us, but yeah, I'm excited to be here. So ask away. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Maggie. And I think we want to, you've got a lot going on. Well, I'm sure Colin will ask you many questions about growing his personal brand on TikTok. But before he hijacks the conversation, I'd love to start with your angel investing and kind of get to know you and sort of what you've been up to in the angel world. So I've got a few rapid fire questions if you're ready. Okay. All right. So how many angel investments have you made to date? Approximately 10. Okay, cool. And how many have you made this year or do you plan to make? This last month alone, I made three. So it just really depends on the cycle and what I feel I'm compelled by. I try not to hold myself to a standard of, I need to be in the mix just to be in the mix. I am like, as I go really refining what my thesis is, what I want to back. And I just let that be my deciding factor. Cool. I like that. And what's your average check size? It's anywhere from three to $10,000. And the average is usually five to 7,500. Cool. And what type of startups do you look for and at what stage? So I, at the beginning was very consumer agnostic, always has to have to touch the consumer. And I would argue something that's even an infrastructure play like sidecar is still very customer and consumer facing. Now it's definitely evolved as I evolve as a human. I always say like to be a good consumer investor is to be a good consumer. And so for Mm -hmm. me, as I, you know, get into my thirties and, you know, there's a different level of expectation from society around being a woman, I am very passionate about backing not female founded companies, but companies that help the female as she evolves in her role throughout society, take off some of the pressure. So I am definitely not anti-men. I want to make that very clear. It can be male founded. It just has to be something that really helps women as they navigate the challenge of being a breadwinner, a house manager, a child caretaker, and all of the expectations that are on them to look, talk, act, and be a certain way. Got it. I can, it's a good thesis and don't worry, there's plenty of men out there advocating for men. So I, not your job to have to do that. So in terms of like, you know, I guess your thesis, which I find really fun because it's really like a life cycle thesis of, you know, like, and and you can follow and kind of hit all these points in the journey of women as they go through their careers, have families, you know, all of the progressions of that we all follow. What are like, what are some examples of companies that kind of fit within that? I would love to hear. Yeah. I just angel invested into a pre-revenue, actually pre-idea, second time founder. It is an early stage childhood education AI platform. So, you know, rising daycare costs, quality of daycare, space available. The woman typically, even if they have an amazing partner, is the primary caregiver. And so what ends up happening is that you either are not able to afford to put your kid in full-time daycare. And then, you know, just so that you can work and make a paycheck, you have your kid watching Miss Rachel for YouTube. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's just the reality. But this platform is basically creating, I think the brand is called Loverly, which is like subscription boxes that arrive for children based on their development stage. 
and it's a subscription company. They're crushing it. This is the AI conversational digital platform of that, where anybody with a computer and a Wi-Fi network can basically have an AI learning to your child's development. And so what you feel good about as a parent is they're entertained, you can do your thing, but they're actually learning and developing. They're not just being left to television or to their iPads. So that would be a great example. I'm obviously looking at like a medical aesthetics med spa marketplace. I've looked at things for like women's health for, you know, PCOS, endometriosis. So really anything, like I said, that just like makes women's life easier as they have like just piles of stuff on them. Yeah. That's what I'm really excited about right now. Cool. So when you're looking at these different deals, do you want people who are sending you these deals, either the founders directly or other investors or just people who know you, do you want them to think of you as a, in a certain way? Like, do you want them to think of you as like, hey, you are the expert in XYZ or how do you sort of want to be known? And like, how do you want people thinking about you when they're sending you deals or, you know, yeah. are they just coming to you directly? So I have such a chip on my shoulder because I don't mm -hmm. have the backing of a investor archetype. I am from Canada. I didn't go to a TRA school. I'm not a former founder. I didn't go to an investment bank. And so on paper, what I have like worked, I will work outwork anybody on your cap table to provide value. And so the only way that I want to be framed is by being the most helpful person that will invest in your company. And I will use every single resource at my disposal, whether it is my own TikTok presence or it's my connections or it's my expertise. I have an amazing background building brands, one of which I was lucky enough to go public when I was there. And I was with the CEO this morning back in Toronto going for a walk or sorry, the founder. And, you know, just bringing that expertise to the cap table by knowing how to actually build a brand, I think mm -hmm. is very undervalued in the investor world because it's about, you know, what your background is from the school or the bank or the whatever you work at. But all I want to be framed as is just the hardest working investor on your cap table. Yeah, I, I really like that, you know, sort of thinking like, oh, you should chat, you know, I could just sort of p imagine people saying like, oh, you should chat with Maggie. She's like the hardest working investor you'll ever have, right? It's less about like, you know, who you were or who you are and like what you do or how much money you invest. It's just like, like, like that moniker almost. Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, I think. I obviously, and we can talk about TikTok later, but I do poke fun at the industry a little bit and it's all in good mm -hmm. fun because I think it's actually at its core, like the being of innovation and of things getting better for us. But I do think that there is this, you know, even people from my hometown, they're like, how did you become an investor? And, you know, I think that there's this misconception about what it means to be a good investor and why we do this. And I think what I tell every single startup founder is like, what's your why? Like, like, why are you doing this? Because if it's for the name or the title or the accolades, like it's just going to get really hard at some point. And I think those people will bail out at a, at a certain extent. It has to come back to like why you want to do it. And I think for me, it's like, I just love to build things and I have a yeah. very ADHD brain. I am very bored. And so being able to be exposed to different types of companies and industries is like, honestly, keeps me excited every single day. Yeah, that, that really resonates with me. I recently, one of my first angel investments, let me know that they're like going to cease operations. And I was had this moment where I was like, man, why do I keep doing this? Like, you know, like, that one didn't work out, you know, like, what's the impetus to keep doing it. And I think I had a very similar conclusion to you. I'm like, I guess a bit like spastic in the sense that I like doing a lot of different things at once and like having the exposure, like 
that's what gets me going and like waking up in the morning and get excited. So I can relate like deeply with that because it isn't just about, if it was just about the money and you lose it, you'd be like, why would I ever invest in this category ever again? It's yeah, there's some highs that have to come out of this. Well, and I think that's like one of the questions I get all the time is like, why do you do this? And I'm like, I mean, I think especially on the syndicate side, like I don't syndicate an early stage pre-revenue deal, right? Like I'm looking for like seed series A, but on the investment side for me, it's like, I think there's so many benefits to angel investing, whether it's like expanding your network. We wouldn't be on this phone call if I hadn't invested into Sidecar and like, I wouldn't know you guys. And I wouldn't know like, you know, what you can offer value to my portfolio companies and vice versa. So I think like even the network, is such a value add that an exposure, like I went to business school for my undergrad. We learned through case studies. This is a life case study, like go mm-hmm. and learn a business. If you're putting in 5k, it's like literally the cost of a course for university. So that's how I like to think about it when I'm doing the earliest stage stuff where I'm like, I have no clue about AI. I just want to back this. Cause I believe like women would benefit. Maybe it works out. If it does, I'd love to syndicate like a series seed or a series a, but if it doesn't, like, I feel good about where my money is going versus like another bag, which I have enough bags. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's uh, talk about syndicates for, for a second, since we've mentioned it a few times now, and we'll give a nice shout out to sidecar. Cause it sounds like we're all big fans of sidecar using yes. them. They're sponsoring our, our meetup in Austin at the end Ooh. of September here doing some breakfast tacos. And I will say though, I love sidecar, the product, but man, uh, my syndicates have been, I'm not a big fan of syndicates. Like it's not that I'm not <laughs> a fan, but they're tough. Colin is like uh, a master, but he works a lot harder than me at syndicates and getting money. And, you know, I syndicate every deal for my little mini fund that I have, but it's more because of the structure. And so I'm curious, like, what's your take on syndicates? Who are they a good fit for? How do you feel about them? Let's start with that. And who do you think they are yeah. the kind of the best fit for, especially in this kind of current market that we're in? Yeah. So I think like, you know, I'm a huge fan of them too, in the way where it gave me the opportunity to prove myself as an investor and get points on the board. I always knew it was possible I could do this, but I don't think other people did. And I think it's like shown that, no, I can get into really good deals. I know how to pick winners. I know how to align myself and add value. And so if your goal is to raise a fund one day, which mine definitely is, Mm. they are such a good way to showcase what you can do with actual like proof in the pudding points on the board. So I think the, the one thing I get really weary of is like everybody thinking like they're going to run a syndicate business because to your point, it is very hard fundamentally to get a serious return in angel investing. You need to be a contrarian thinker and you need to be right. So if you are trying to sell an idea at a pre-seed, even a seed stage to LPs in a syndicate, you want to hope they don't actually think it's going to work out because if it's Mm -hmm. too like common of people thinking this, it's probably not a big enough idea to actually get a return. That's worth even locking your money up for the period of time of it being such a risky asset class. So that's where I'm more so like, there's a purpose, there's a utilitarian use to them. I love them. I think if you want to be a VC and nobody is opening a door to you, build a window And like, that's your window to get in your foot in the door. But should the everyday agency person be running a syndicate? Like, no, you should be investing in people's syndicates because this is what they want to dedicate their life to. And if you're only seeing five deals a week, I'm getting pitched 25 times a day. Like whether it's from 
friends, DM, LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, like for founders that I've invested in. My phone TikTok, is- TikTok, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it, it, you should want the person that's syndicating your deal to be seeing so many deals that they're only picking the best one and not just seeing the first thing that comes along and being like, I can make a quick buck by like putting my friend's money in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a text from one of our former guests, Nick Tipman, and I, I was just lamenting on the like the syndicate front of like how hard it is and like how I wish I, you know, I wish I was doing more great deals like more often. And he just reminded me that like, you know, that's actually not a bad thing that you're doing less deals and have really high signal to noise ratio on the deals that you do. Like that, that's actually something to strive for. Right? And I don't know, it was a good reminder to me that, like you said, it's like, it's gotta be worth doing to do because the syndicates, there's a lot, there's a lot of shoe leather costs. Like, you know, like you're basically an extension of the founder pitching to their, you know, to all the people, you know, yeah. so you really got to know it and believe it as well. So on that front, I heard TikTok and heard pitches from TikTok and Harry was like, what is that? How does that work? Let's start talking about TikTok. I mean, like, I think we're on Twitter, LinkedIn, you know, kind of the usual suspects. I think we all get way too many DMs that we don't want to respond to. Um, some are great, some are terrible, but TikTok is not one I've gotten any cold DMs on for investing, but it sounds like you do. So like, I don't know. I'd like to hear more about like, it, it sounds like it's a core pillar for you of your distribution, like just overall. So let's talk about that. I want to learn more. So I was a very like vulnerable person. I think mean, it's the way you grow. I never was asked by anybody to like be an investor and I really wanted to do it and I knew I could do it. And so I just started posting on TikTok. Like I have a pretty crazy career background for where I'm sitting today. And like, I was not getting job offers or even interviews for the funds that I was applying for. And so I taught myself and I didn't have a playbook and I didn't have no, like women, to be honest, to look up to. It's a very male dominated space as a single woman at the time when I was like, you know, starting, you know, starting to invest, it was like very hard for me to prove myself. And so I started posting on TikTok about my career and about what I wanted to do and the companies I would invest in and the companies I had invested in. And like, I was the first person to ever post about TikTok or sidecar on TikTok. And, you know, what it did for me was it built me a community of women that want to do the same thing that I've done. And my goal now with it is it's not, I don't want to be a creator. I don't want to be an influencer. I want to build a media company where women, like if you see the TikTok that I did yesterday about Parade, what happened to Parade? You know, I have access to something called Particle, which is what I use to look at just like a competitive analysis of deals I like. And I'm able to break it down and explain to other females and males, but mostly females that I've developed, what is evaluation? Why do you want to look at it this way? Why should you never raise too much money? And what it does is it, like, obviously in turn, it builds credibility where people can see how I think about things. And then I do get pitched, but I think more TikTok is not, it's not a means to the end of the fund. It's like, I wish I had somebody to learn from. I don't need to see another makeup creator and no, like if there's somebody that wants to go and build a makeup persona, do that. Don't let me, don't let anybody tell you that there's too much. There's always space for everybody. But I was looking for a female investor that actually explained what they were talking about. And I never saw that. And so I decided to put my hand up and 
be vulnerable and do this. And now it's honestly my favorite part of what I do is to create content because it's not about having a brand for myself. It's like the DMS that I get of women of like how I'm actually like helping them leave their jobs to start a company or they are now putting their hand up to invest instead of buying a bag. That why for me is like, I just, I get chills. I could cry. It's like so amazing for me to even know possible. Yeah. I think that's definitely, you know, I've been running a a small media business myself for the past 10 years. And I think that's one of the underappreciated things of creating content for other people is that, you know, you get thank you messages and it's like, you know, I have a site for Uber and Lyft drivers and it's like, wow, this was so helpful. And it's just content, you know, it's just like, here's how to make more money and, you know, kind of educational and informational and people are, you know, very thankful. So I think that always is cool and feels good, frankly, you know, if you're helping other people on TikTok, do you find that you are reaching, you know, with your content, do you find that you're sort of like reaching new people who are maybe like, you know, normal TikTok users. And they're like, oh, this looks like a cool topic. I want to learn about investing. I want to learn about startups. Or is it more people who are already into that? And then they are big TikTok users and find you because you're one of the best people on TikTok talking about that. So I have a, like, I made a strategic decision. Like I'm not at, like I am at Maggie Sellers, but it's hot, smart, rich. It's not just Mm -hmm. startup education. It's like, I don't want females to have to lose themselves because that's what's going to make you a good investor. So like I'll do day in the life. I'll do the TikTok mm. trends. What I realized is like, to be honest, the average TikTok user does not care about startups. Like the funnel of like what you could talk about of like just basic lifestyle stuff is so yeah. wide. I could have had, if I chose to wanted to be an influencer, just to be an influencer, knowing the TikTok algorithm and how to create content, I actually did a test I started another TikTok that was just focused on lifestyle and was able to get pretty much like almost half a million views every single video because the funnel of who's interested in that content is so wide. When you go down to startup education, the funnel is so small. Like there is not that many people on that platform. Like that is worth the ROI. If like you Mm. just want to go and do what you're doing on other platforms, you might as well stick to LinkedIn or to X. You're going to have way higher response in terms of like LP and deal flow. My goal is not that with TikTok. My goal was always to build a community of women for a totally different purpose. And it, I think because it's not just, hey, all I care about is business. The One of the first TikToks I posted was, if you go out for dinner, a business dinner, you don't just talk about business for three hours. You talk about family, life, vacations, mm-hmm. shopping, like what's are the trends? And so that's exactly how you can think of my TikTok. It's five topics cycled through and a lot of it is startups, but it's definitely not just that. Cool. I I definitely like that strategy and appreciate the way you explained it. You mentioned one thing earlier when you were talking about the startups you invested. I think you said specifically you had, you know, done a TikTok about a company you invested in. I'm curious, like, how does that life cycle work? Do you sort of advertise it like, hey, if I invest in you, I'll do a TikTok or like logistically, how does that work? I imagine like you probably wouldn't want to get in a situation where you invest like $5,000 in a company and then do 50 TikToks for them. That might be extreme, but like, how do you logistically, you know, because it is something valuable about you or the distribution, right? So how do you like, you know, be upfront with a company like, here's what I will or won't offer, you know, all the way from like when they're first pitching you to when you wire a check and you're now an investor. You should definitely ask my, so now my sister is my business partner across both my media and my HSR ventures. She's the bad guy that you don't want (laughs) to get on the phone with because she tells me like, we don't do that for free. 
But Mm. I think, you know, we are in the business as two females that are doing this is like, we are doing this to help people, whether it's to find the education that we didn't have or to fund the companies that we want to exist. So within reason, it's all situational. I will never make a promise that we will be posting about you X amount of times, but these are companies that I want to be here because Mm -hmm. I want to have the help or the option to use it. So if it's something that feels organic to my life, I will do what I can. If it's some, and that's where the investment thesis has been refined because it's a little harder to talk about things I used to invest in knowing where I'm going with the media side now, because it doesn't integrate that easily. And it is, I think a huge misconception is how easy it is to be a creator. It's so much work. It's not hard work as people say, but it is so much time, so much effort, so much to do. And you could put so much time into something and it totally flops. And you're like, I just wasted half of a day. And a video I made in 15 seconds has a million views. Like what the hell is going on? So it's interesting, but yeah, no, answering your question, because I can ramble and I'm sorry, is just, (laughs) I never promise things but I integrate because I want to when I can. So it seems like it's sort of important, you know, top of the funnel, like even the companies that you're investing in, like you have to be a big fan and they kind of almost have to fit into, you know, your media brand and persona and the things you care about and the things you're looking forward to, right? If it's not a great fit there, you know, you probably may not even invest and then never get to the point where it's like, you have a company asking you, Hey, are there any cool ways you can talk about us on your TikTok?" And you're like, Oh, this doesn't feel, you know, you know, natural or, you know, like a, a good fit to me. Yeah. And I think like one of the things I wanted to circle back on to you, Colin, because there is such a, like, it's so crazy. I just made three investments this month. One of which was like the biggest one I've made into an amazing company. I can't wait till it gets disclosed. I can't say it right now. And like the second week after it's been two weeks, I like literally was thinking like anxiety, like, oh my God, I need to invest in another company. Like, you know, I need to like be like, keep going. And like, And there's just this feeling in investing where it's like, what have you done for me lately? But I think that's part of the problem is like, once you make an investment, it doesn't stop there. It actually has to turn into like, now you've given up ownership as the founder to these people. Yes, in exchange for capital, but like, that's when the real work I think should start. And like, how can we actually now pause on like deploying more capital without feeling like our ego is telling us like, we're not, we can't. There's so much imposter syndrome. Like we can't Mm -hmm. brand ourselves this way. I've only made three investments this month. Well, three investments is a lot of investments. Slow down. Like I don't want to make another one unless I find a life-changing idea or there's going to be a totally new door that's going to open for me if I do this. So I think it's just really interesting the way I have thought traditionally and where I'm going with things now, which is like to your point, being able to integrate things more and take a step back and like help consult and help actually build the strategy and not just move on to the next one. Yeah. I love that. This is, it's fun to hear your progression through all of it. If we were to like skip back all the way to the beginning, um, I would love getting the lessons from the beginning. I'd love to hear like the story of your first angel investment, like how it came to be and what would you do differently knowing what you know now? I knew nothing. It was like, when was this? What's the year? 2023. I knew nothing that I knew now. It was a total not 
like amazing situation. I think knowing what I know now, and I think this goes back to like a hot take about syndicating is like, it really is around the founder. And that's what's very hard about syndicating deals because you're kind of that middleman. Like you don't really even necessarily, at least for me, I'm trying to tell the founder, like you don't have to worry about raising this syndicate. Like I'm going to do it. But it also takes the founder out of the experience. And that's really what you're betting on at the early stage. And I think looking back, I just unfortunately didn't understand the dynamics of like co-founder dynamics and like even just the archetype of the founder and the characteristics that I want to bet on. And I think I just look back and I'm like, I don't regret anything. And I'm so happy and, and honestly grateful to be even given an opportunity But knowing what I know now and looking at it from a returns perspective, the best returns will come for me from the founders that can just push through anything, are not attached to their ego, but are confident and really want to do this for the right reasons. I like it. That makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, early stage companies, right? I mean, like the big thing you have are the people. That is the asset in the company. Obviously there's ideas and things like that, but no, that makes total sense. All right Right on. Well, Maggie, we appreciate you coming on. And I think we've got a lot of good links. We're definitely going to, I think we're going to put your TikTok first in the description. So people (laughs) can go to your TikTok if that's okay with you. And I know you're also, okay. And I was going to give you, we're picking the first one. If that's okay with you, we're going to pick TikTok and we'll let you, sounds like (laughs) newsletter next. And then I see you've got a, a beacons link here too, that has a, a few of your other links. It looks like newsletter and maybe Twitter and some other places people can find you. Does that sound good? Yeah. And then I think all the startups minus two have are at the bottom of what I've been oh, yeah. cool. about startups, but two of them are still to come. So stay tuned. Very cool. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely look forward to hearing about those and definitely you've got at least two new TikTok followers. I'm sure that this will be very important to your TikTok following. <laughs> I love it. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was really fun and I'm excited. Thanks, Maggie. Take care. Okay. Bye.